your talk show for all things automotive. From the latest news to the greatest views. And the biggest names in rolling iron. Your host is Brett Hatfield, freelance auto journalist, senior auction analyst for Sports Car Market Magazine and American Car Collector Magazine, writer and editor of ReadTheDriven.com. And owner of his own small but growing fleet of cool cars. Get behind the wheel of an hour of car talk starting right now. Thanks for listening to Driven Radio. You can find us online at readthedriven.com and the newly minted www.drivenradioshow.com. You can also find us on iTunes, Pippa, Stitcher, Google Play, and everywhere fine podcasts are heard. Please follow us on Facebook at forward slash Driven Radio Show, on Twitter at Driven Radio Show, and on Instagram at Driven Radio Show. We're coming to you from Driven Radio Studios in Overland Park, Kansas. I'm your host, Brett Hatfield, here with my co-host, Vern Estes, Shelby expert and owner of the world's lowest volume car dealership. And that car dealership passed inspection today. There you go, only four months late. And so, when's your grand opening? When are we going to do the Oh, party? there's no grand opening. I just start working there right yeah, away. You're, you're too cheap to throw a grand opening. You, would you at least go to McDonald's and get like the junior cheeseburgers and serve a few? No, I don't eat that crap. <laughs> eat real food. Nice. But you won't feed anybody else? No. No. Mm-mm. See? Lowest. I'm going to be too busy making up for the last six months of, uh, of not having a building. Uh, speaking of which, we got news this week about the uh, Bugatti Chiron long tail and uh, a huge order that Amazon placed with Rivian, but you went to Colorado. Mm-hmm. Did you bring a car back? I took a car there and brought a car home. Okay. Yeah. Brought a 66 uh, GT350H home. Okay. What color? Black and gold. Black and gold. Mm-hmm. So it's not and that... It's, got, it's not a concourse car, but it's got one of the straightest bodies on it that I've ever seen. Really? Not a Mustang. Good yeah, paint? It's a nice car. Oh, yeah. Would it make it through judging, or is it too good? Oh, it wouldn't make it through judging because it's not restored as a concourse car. So, like, small details are not perfect on it. It's what most people looking at these cars would think was a perfect car. So, but super slick, cool-looking car that you... Yeah, it's a driver. It's 40 over, and it's, uh, it's, it's quick. Really? Yeah, it's got Magnaflows on it. Oh, cool. Do we get to go drive this? It uh, it lays down rubber in every gear that I tried to do that in. Uh, we're going on to a your, closed course. We're going to your warehouse after uh, after the show. That mm-hmm. sounds cool. All righty. Um, hey, Bugatti Chiron or Chiron. Yeah. So Bugatti recently brought out a long tail. We talked about it in a past episode. It did three hundred and four point seven miles per hour. That's that's on just a, stupid fast. You know, on a on a one way run though, which is kind of interesting. Uh, I read something they said they're that, not allowed to run the other way on that. Uh, well, on that they track. said they'd run so many things on that test track in that same direction that when you run it the other direction, the tires that that thing had on it uh, developed too much heat, and they were worried about it coming up. You know, this seems like a very unusual. I'm telling you what I read in print. I'm not saying this is fact. I'm sure the Volkswagen PR department would never, I mean, Bugatti PR department would never, uh, it's Volkswagen, you know, fib it, but it it is what it is. It was a one way direction, which has all the other manufacturers all up in arms about how they only went one way. And so it doesn't count and that it's not technically a production car. I agree. You know, what, what, what would be very nice, which will never happen is if Volkswagen were to open that track up to say Koenigsegg and Hennessy and let them all just run it just to see who is, because they all seem to be very proud about being the fastest, but none are, are willing to. Well, another thing they said in this article was because 
that track is just 140 some odd feet above sea level the air is more dense mm-hmm. and they thought that the long tail might be able to run a little faster at something like the silver state yeah in, in nevada, nevada where yeah. it was you know, their air wasn't quite as dense are you does it's a bit really... silly that all these manufacturers make reasons for why they could go slightly more than they went being that we're talking about 304 miles an hour does that i'm just wondering if that really may, maybe it does maybe i'm it sure does. It, i'm probably i'm sure it probably makes a huge difference at that kind of speed but well and the other thing the, that the they, better question is who cares the other thing they said <laughs> in another article i read is the uh, they made the observation that the 304 it went is faster than small some small planes yeah and so you know getting back to the story i mean basically volkswagen group and bugatti uh, are going to make 30 of these, and as we kind of guessed, they're going to be called the Super Sport. Sure. And they're going to be to the high-speed kind of specification of the car that ran, the long tail that ran. Yeah. And, you know, 30 lucky customers for the price of $3.9 million are going to have a chance to own the car. And that's <laughs> 3.9. Keep in mind, too, when you're talking about Bugattis, that's $3.9 million before you step into the option room. Well, and Where then- things can get... Wild, but the other thing that they said was that this one will have a passenger seat and it won't have the full cage mm-hmm. and all that. But owners will have the opportunity to add a cage and go test it at the Bugatti test track. Mm-hmm. But good grief, man, that's that's four million dollars. They can get uh, you know paint to match their wife's nail polish and how, all sorts of other stuff that you how know. Many, how many Shelby's can you buy for four million dollars? Uh, most of them. <laughs> You know what you can buy for $4 million or even a little bit less? You could buy a real Mark I GT40, one of 31 ever made. I thought you could probably buy three or four people. Yeah, probably could. You know, not really quality people, but middle of the road. Mm Mm-hmm. So anyway, uh, they also said that this thing caught a little air while it was speaking of airplanes. Do you think Andy Wallace could actually feel it? He said he could. And how far did he go in the air? I don't I know. This is the question. But the the other comment that was made in the article was, uh, he one time it, it was it was in a change in pavement in a place in, mm-hmm. you know where he came off the banking and onto the straightaway. Uh, there was a change in pavement, and he said it was kind of like a little ramp and a jump. And he said that he went uh, one time approaching that he got off the throttle and it, the car got really unstable and started moving mm-hmm. around. I'm trying to to imagine how bad that would pucker your lower orifice. I don't know. I mean, I just, yeah, the whole thing is, so many of the facts of that run are sort of silly. I mean, they, you know, the tires that they used for it, they x-rayed the tires just to make sure yeah. they had no imperfections whatsoever. Yeah, yeah. At 300 miles an hour, which is already a speed that... Oh, yeah. If you wad the car at 300 miles an hour, first you crash for a week. The funny thing is that you know that all 30 people who buy that car, they're buying it only to be able to say that their car can do 300 miles an hour. Yep. Of course, they'll never see it. Nope. They probably won't ever even drive the car. <laughs> nope. For the most part. Probably half of them will maybe drive the car around their neighborhood every once in a while. Well, they'll drive it to dinner or someplace the car right. can be seen. Yeah. They'll never use the top speed key. They'll no. probably scrape the, the carbon fiber splitters every time they take it out. But it'll go 300. Well, the splitter only costs 30 grand. What do you care? I doubt you could buy it for thirty grand. <laughs> Probably not. Good lord. Alrighty. Uh, earlier this year, Amazon. Remember Amazon and Rivian, uh, mm-hmm. the electric company Rivian that Ford put a half a uh, half a billion dollars into. Earlier this year, Amazon invested seven hundred million in the uh, Michigan electric car startup. 
And now Jalopnik is reporting that Amazon has placed an order for, get this, 100,000 electric vans to be delivered by 2024. Uh, CEO Jeff Bezos said that, yeah, uh, 100,000. Uh, Jeff Bezos said that the, the first delivery should start in 2021. He said Amazon is committed to meet the goals of the United Nations Paris Agreement 10 years early. Now, I, I don't know that Amazon signed the agreement, but good for them. It's a really interesting way that when you're going to make a major investment in an auto company, that you also control a company who can order a completely you know, financially a life-changing amount of oh, yeah. trucks, vans, and whatever else with that company. So you make an investment, and then you immediately order 100,000 vans from that same company. Uh, it's a heck of a way to uh, to make a living. Uh, yeah. It, it's, it reminds me of, speaking of Hertz cars, the story that's very rarely told about Hertz cars is that the reason that Carroll Shelby and the boys from L.A. were able to sell 1,000 of them to Hertz is because Ford Motor Company owned 51% of Hertz at the time. Yeah. And for 1966, they wanted to keep Carroll Racing into 67. And it was part of his contract that he got a sizable bonus so if they... the company was in the black. Mm-hmm. How do you get a company in the black well, you that order builds sports cars? You order a ton of cars You from double them. their production in one order. <laughs> and we keep racing. Well, uh, Bezos, getting back to the Rivian deal, said that uh, they added that their goal is for 80% of Amazon's energy use to be renewable by 2024 and 100% renewable by 2030. Hmm. Uh, Rivian said that this order will not affect uh, the timeline on the R1T truck and the R1S SUV that they're also making, and all of this stuff will be made uh, in the same factory kind of side-by-side with the other stuff they're doing. Uh, really, really, a uh, hundred thousand vans, and the vans. Their pickup truck the intrigues me. I mean, oh no, 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 the they, product is cool. And they said it was going to be going to work. They said this was going to be that same skateboard design, mm-hmm. where it was a flat panel bottom, and that's where all the batteries would be housed. I think we talked about this a long time ago. Yeah, we did. But some of the claims that Rivian makes, I'm, I would love to see it be true. Well, and the other thing is, this is a really interesting big buy from a company that hasn't produced one car yet yeah there's and that also like one. for example on the pickup truck which they're all the same chassis they're all mechanically the same thing they made the claim i think on launch that it could tow twenty eight thousand pounds that'll be interesting but to it, see. it's smaller than a half ton pickup truck uh it'll be real interesting to see so uh, uh big, i hope it's true big doings coming up uh for amazon and rivian coming up next on driven radio we'll be uh talking about uh well Something I wanted to talk to you about because of a book I'm reading, uh, our best high-speed, long-distance drives, and uh, also the possibility that Vern and I will be teaching a class that on uh, car inspection and evaluation. We'd like to get a group together to go see Le Mans 66 when it's released November 15th, and uh, we found some cool stuff on Craigslist this week. All this and much more is coming up next on Driven Radio.
Welcome back to Driven Radio, coming to you from Driven Radio Studios in Overland Park, Kansas. You and I are both excited about this. I, I'm really excited about this. You don't get excited about much. But Lamas 66 is coming out in under two months. Mm-hmm. I'm Ford V dying. Ferrari. Yeah. Well, and they they also uh, put out another trailer here in the last week or so. Yeah. The new trailer looks even better than They're the They're really one. emphasizing the fist fight between Carol Shelby and Ken Miles. I'm dying to see it. Which now. never happened. <laughs> it never happened, but wait, wait, it's got to be Hollywood. So. This is Hollywood. We, I know. They see things I just hate through their that. own prism. They, there are just so many other things that you could like glorify other than Carol Shelby and Ken Miles getting into a fight. You Ken gotta, Miles slugging Carol Shelby. Like you got to have that tension. They're like best friends. you got to have that tension. <laughs> <laughs> We're not even best friends. I kind of want to hit you. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, the movie is coming out on November 15th, and we've kind of shot this idea around before. I'd love it if we could put together a big group outing of uh, car people to go see this movie, maybe go to dinner beforehand. Mm-hmm. And wondering if there's any interest for that. For all you folks that are listening, especially those who are within driving distance, if you have any interest in going to grab a bite to eat someplace cool and then go into the movie, please let us know either on our Facebook page, Twitter, uh, or you can email us directly either brett at drivenradioshow.com or vern at drivenradioshow.com. Give us a workout for our shiny new emails that we just got. Those are really cool. And if... Now, what we were talking about before, I don't, I don't know if this is even possible. I think there's only one or two drive-ins left in Kansas City, mm-hmm. but one of them is the Boulevard Drive-In. And I don't know the owner, but I know several people who do. I can ask and see if they're still open November 15th. I don't know if they will be. I think going to see that at a drive-in would be really cool. Yeah, and it also depends on whether or not the drive-in's actually going to play the movie, you know? Well, uh, yeah, that too. So uh, no harm in asking, though, so we can figure that out. All right. uh, Have you read Cannonball by Brock Yates? I read it, but it was probably 10 years ago at this point. I remember it being really good, but I don't remember too terribly much about it. Yeah, it was a long time ago. Yeah. Uh, I just now got around to it. It's been in my Kindle forever. And I started reading it, and it started me thinking about... For those who don't know, Cannonball is about the Cannonball Baker Sea to Shining Sea Memorial Trophy Dash, better known as Cannonball Run, and Brock Gates organized it. And I was thinking about drives that I've made at high rates of speed over long distances. And mm-hmm. I know you've done a couple. You said going back to back and forth to school. Yeah, just back and forth to school. Shave a couple hours off the total drive time. Well, yeah, but when you got to go to Texas to go back and forth to school... It's just all I-35. You just kind of fall asleep when you're going past Gardner and you wake up like somewhere south of Dallas. Nothing happens in between. You go through like this state called Oklahoma Oklahoma. where nothing nothing of interest happens at all. Oklahoma stinks. It's home to the worst university on the face of the earth. Well, plus Oklahoma's uh, speed limit is 10 miles an hour lower than Texas or Kansas. Yeah, that's also bad, but... It just anyway. It just stays. we'll move on, but yeah, having to I just close my eyes when I drive through Norman. Uh, the upside is part of, a good chunk of the Kansas Turnpike um, between uh, Emporia and and uh, Wichita 
you can go almost as fast as you want. Yeah. <laughs> what is that new Sandra Bullock movie? Uh, Bird Box. Have you seen Bird Box? Yeah, it was. Where like if you look at something, you end up like kind of going crazy and that's driving through losing Oklahoma. your mind. Well, it's just that's Norman. Like if you yeah. open your eyes when you're going through Norman, then it's a, you turn into like one of those Bird Box people well, it's, where it's, you just can't. It's best for you finished. to steal your your uh, grandma's cataract surgery sunglasses. And, put those suckers on. Then the second you cross that beautiful Texas, uh, that beautiful Texas border to God's country, man, that is the great. That's that's oh, one of those moments that fills you, you with joy. On you mean the inside. where you where you see the giant casinos? You just feel well. Those are in Oklahoma, first off. Then you cross the border, and then you feel this overwhelming sense of freedom and relaxation wash over you <laughs> when you enter the Republic. Anyway, so best time Kansas City to school? Uh, like nine hours. How far is it? Oh heck, I don't know, but it's supposed to take eleven. <laughs> so I mean, that's an and and that also has to be uh, the caveat there too is that that's an Volvo XC90, so that's in a very slow, boring Swedish car. Honest to God, uh, I and I was thinking about this driving back from Colorado last week. I don't think once you're on the highway, the car matters unless it's a complete crap box and it can't get over eighty miles an hour. Yeah, because uh, we were driving that that red GTO and that thing's four hundred plus horse. And it wouldn't have mattered if I'd been in that or the Navigator or anything. As long as the car will do 85, 90 miles an hour, that's all mm-hmm. that really matters. Unless you want to go significantly faster than that. Now, I've done that before. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know you have. Some of the better ones. One of the ones that that uh, I got in a lot of trouble for, and not with the police, but with the girl I was dating at the time. Uh, her parents lived in Chanute, and we'd gone down there. Uh, for the weekend, but I'd ridden a sport bike I had at the time because I was going to come back to Olathe to my parents' house and help my dad hang some cabinets on Sunday. And I took off from there, and you know, I told her, hey, I'll give you a call when I get there to let you know I'm okay. I had a helmet and jacket and gloves and all the gear, and I felt pretty safe. And you know, I was in my 20s, so of course I was bulletproof, and I just got on that bike, and I wanted to see how fast it would go. And I went really fast. Uh, I topped it out. The It used to be that there was just a two-lane highway that went by Garnett, not the big highway they got now. And I topped that bike out on that two-lane highway around Garnett at 136 for about four or five miles. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I backed it down after that, and I rode at a more reasonable sedate 90-some-odd miles an hour. And I called her when I got to my parents' house. I said, hey, I'm here. And she said, no, really, where are you? I said, I'm at my parents' house. And she cussed me out and said, you better not be USOB. You've only been gone an hour. <laughs> and it was 105 miles from her parents' house to my parents' house. So, yeah, uh, got yelled at a lot for that one. Had a couple of motorcycle trips from Colorado home where I was really flying and uh, several trips to and from Tucson where I was really flying. And uh, you're not going to cop to anything else, are you? I really don't have any other stories like that. I got <laughs> I got stories about driving fast, but they've and I'm not just saying this. Usually they've been in like very short bursts and under weird circumstances. So we, we, define weird circumstances. Now you got me curious. Uh, so I did an internship at Shelby American. You did in high school. You did, and uh, I was 16 for the first one. Let that soak in, folks. He did an internship for Shelby American when he was 16 years old. And I got, my flight was delayed, I think, because I didn't get into Las Vegas when I flew in there until, like, the plane didn't land until about 11 p.m. And the, I was sharing a company house with 
the CFO of Shelby American, and he was driving a 2008, which at the time was like uh, the hot car, like you know 2008 GT500 KR. Yeah. Which you know they they made a big deal. They made special tires for it. It was a pretty much equivalent performance to like the C. Uh, six Z06 type of car. Yeah, it was. They were quick. And uh, this one had a Ford Performance 605 supercharger, and so 605 horsepower. Yeah. And we got back to the to the house, and I hadn't eaten anything for dinner, and it was almost midnight at that point. And so there was a McDonald's around the corner. And I said, I'm going to run to McDonald's real quick before I go to bed and get some food. See, I did eat McDonald's at one point. And then uh, uh, and he so said, you jump in this well, KR. he said, take the Shelby. And I said, well like the restaurant's wanna... only like a block away i'll just walk and he's like no don't walk just take the shelby and he like gave me this look and just went to bed and i was like okay i'll take the shelby at the age of 16 i had just learned to drive stick <laughs> and uh by learn to drive stick i learned to drive stick on like a jetta you know yeah. like typical thing that everybody learns to drive stick on i, learned and I just remember it took me i think i got home at like 1 30 and i was just i spent like an hour and a half just hammering around this neighborhood in this car <laughs> and the cops didn't come no hmm. well you got <laughs> you got lucky yeah it was fun so never got mcdonald's didn't have time <laughs> screw it just just go drive the car yeah i lost my appetite yeah i bet you were distracted Ooh, shiny mm-hmm. it was red silver stripes it was a good car anyway uh why don't you guys tell us about some of your best high speed runs high long distance runs Send them to us on Facebook. Send them to us in our email, Brett at uh, Driven Radio Show or Vern at DrivenRadioShow.com. Tell us the stuff you've done. Maybe we'll read a really good one on the air. Coming up on Driven Radio, uh, we're going to talk about possibly, possibly teaching a class in car inspection and evaluation. And we've also got some interesting stuff we found on Craigslist this week. I love what you found. There's always something fun on Craigslist, is, isn't there? That is so cool and so bizarre. And I just love reading the ads. You wonder how long you could drive that thing without a cop pulling you over and asking you about it. I just love the tendencies of people listing cars on Craigslist. Like when the first oh. line is runs and drives, that's your first like, oh, they came out strong on the first <laughs> sentence. <laughs> Where's it go from here? That, they, they told you all the good stuff. Now, yeah. now it can only go one direction. And we'll talk about that and a lot more coming up next on Driven Radio. Driven Radio coming to you from Driven Radio Studios. Now, I want to talk yes. to you about the possibility of this. And I already talked to Luke. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's on board. I had a listener uh, get hold of me this past week, and he wants to help us start teaching a class on car inspection and evaluation for pre purchase. You know, how uh, teach other people what to look for when they go buy a car. And he got hold of me, and I said, listen, uh, 
yeah, I would be interested in doing something like this, but I wouldn't dream of doing it without Vern. That's and adorable. I would, and I wouldn't dream of doing it without Luke. I love it. Yeah, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna take my buddies with me. Sweet. Plus, I think there's stuff that you know I don't. Feels so good to hear. Yeah, there you go. Anyway, uh, the guy said that he would like to help us start teaching a class out of his warehouse in Wichita mm-hmm. for, to start, uh, and possibly on a Saturday morning. I'm guessing for three or four hours teach other people what to look for in a class. And I was wondering, what is what would be the first thing that you would want to teach somebody to look for? Uh, the first thing I'd teach somebody, to, well, it wouldn't even be something to look for. It's how to think. It's how to think when you're going to look at a car. Okay, well, it's like how it to, I think that like the most important thing when looking at any given car, if it's not something you're knowledgeable about, is immediately allying, you, allying yourself with somebody who has <coughs> intimate knowledge of that particular car yeah so like if you're Find looking at something like it well and that really depends on like if it's something hyper, hyper specific obviously like if it's something that is on the more like let's say it's fifty thousand dollars or above where like cars start to be i think called like expensive you yeah. know and to whatever that goes to like then you're talking about like you know you learn as much as you can about the car and you do your best to know all the authorities associated with those specific cars and ideally you have on something that's really important, you have somebody coming to look at it with you. So, first thing, do your due diligence. Yeah, do, do your all homework. Re- do all the homework you can. Do all the research you can on the particular car. You spend a lot of time thinking about the car and researching the car before you even think about like actually looking for a car. Well, and if you find a specific car that you're going to go look for, thank God for the internet, put the VIN in on Google. Oh, yeah. And see if you can find any background on the car. Now, a lot of cars, you know, especially uh, older cars, the VIN may only be a few characters or mm-hmm. numbers long. And it's not like all the modern cars that are all 17-digit and you can put them in and you'll get a really specific answer back uh, online. But, yes, yeah, first thing, do your due diligence. Do your homework. Research everything you can about that car. What is particular to that car? Yeah. What do you... You know, Spend an obscene amount of time just learning about those particular cars. Yeah, and then absolutely. don't like rule number one is don't rush into anything. Well, and like it, don't buy something quick. No, you, no. Like there's always there's always more cars out there. Like people buyers even of really high end cars and even people that you would think are very well seasoned. It's always amazing to me how they find a car that they think they might want and then they rush into buying that car because they found a car and they just want to get it bought. Whereas, like, there's always something else coming. There's always going to be more cars coming on the market. If you miss out on one, it's really not a big deal because there's going to be two more for sale next week. And even on, like, the cars you look for, which is a very small number of limited production year Shelbys. I don't, have you ever even gone up to 70? I know you don't, I know I've had 69 70s before, but, like, the thing is, is that, like, I get people all the time who I see buy high-end Shelby Mustangs quickly, thinking that they're never going to find a better one or a nicer one or one they're more sure of. There's always another one Just like, there's always, and and that goes for anything. I mean, there are very few Shelbys where I would say buy any of them that you can find as long as it's a decent car. Sure. 
and those like boil down to the rarest of the rare, the kind of cars where there might not be another one on the market for like 10 years. But even like 65 Shelby is like the rarest one. But like I've seen guys rush into buying really crummy examples mm-hmm. when they could have just waited like three or four months before a really good one came their way. And nobody needs a Shelby for a commuter. Yeah, but then what they get is they get they get the quick satisfaction of like getting the car quickly, and then uh, they spend like the rest of their time owning the car. They find out slowly what a, what kind of car they actually bought, sure, and then they end up selling it looking for a better one. So, out of curiosity, sixty five to seventy. Do you know what total production was? Uh, if you added all the years together, it'd probably be something around twenty thousand units. So for all of well them. under a hundred, but like I only do sixty five. Well, that I only do them, but it's like what I specialize in is sixty fives through sixty sevens, and so there's like sixty five, uh, like fifty five hundred in all the years. Like fifty five hundred, I think between those three years, I'm I'm just literally spitballing, but I think it's like twenty three hundred something in sixty six, and mid, well, yeah, mid three thousands and sixty seven. So, so like 6, maybe 000. like sixty five hundred between the three years because sixty five was what. Five five hundred and sixty two. Five hundred and sixty two cars. Yeah. And and thirty seven of them are our models. So thirty seven of them are like million dollars plus. So there's actually, you know, even less street cars than that. Well, and there were a couple drag pack cars. Yeah, there's four of those. <laughs> there's only three that exist, only two that are in public. And how many have you owned? Of the sixty fives, oh just one. Just the one? Yeah. I had one sixty six also. Okay. And sixty five and sixty six combined drag pack cars? Eight. Four in each year. Three that exist from each year, and you've you've owned two of them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but I broke up with them. They went down the road. Aww. Somebody else is with them now. So do your due diligence. Know what you're looking at. Mm-hmm. Find an expert, and that's before you even get there to look at the car. Yeah, and I would say uh, make absolutely certain that the person you're buying the car from will allow you to do a pre-purchase inspection. When and even even that when I mean th- that's taking the other it someplace, point. putting it on a lift, getting under it, and being able to see what you're. That's the at. other point to make is that people sometimes people make the mistake of treating an in-person inspection as the only thing they're doing. An inspection should not be to learn about the car. No, an inspection should be to confirm what you already think you know. Yes, like you should already have and you should already have enough information that if it was all true, you'd buy the car over the phone, and then you go to see it. So that you can lay your eyes on it, and yeah. it's confirmed to you that what physically exists is what you were being told by the seller. No, it's not that like sellers of classic cars ever either misrepresent, overrepresent, or straight up lie about what they have. I mean, that obviously never well, happens. This, this goes back to the conversation we were having before the show. There are a ton more numbers matching big block mid year Corvettes, sure. and a ton more numbers matching. Shelby Mustangs than ever left the factory. Sure. And a whole bunch of original sheet metal cars. Oh, uh, they're everywhere. No car's ever rusted or gotten into an accident in 50 years, it seems like. Nobody rusts on Corvettes. Yeah, that's true. Just frame rust. And (laughs) I saw, I was looking at a Nassau Blue 65 Coupe this week, and you could not, the guy said, well, as is, it just needs paint. Right, and you go and look at it, and where the birdcage comes around the windshield and up the A pillar, oh my God, it looked like Swiss cheese. You couldn't believe mm-hmm. how bad it was. But it just needs just throw some Bondo 
on it. It'll be fine. Because Mondo's structural. Yeah, it'll be just fine. It'll be just fine. It might shatter if you hit something, but it'll be fine. Oh, just scary. It just needs paint. Absolutely scary. Okay, so you've done your homework. You've found an expert. You know everything you should know about the car. Uh, and specifically the model, the year, the series, any weird quirks, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. You've done a pre-purchase inspection. Things look mostly groovy. One of the things we probably didn't mention that we should mention is long before you do any of that stuff, it might be nice if you had a way to pay for the car. Sure. Uh, Have your financing in order Mm -hmm. and check with your significant other if that's a thing for you. Uh, Now... My wife just knows that if I bring home another car. Yeah, and I do it for a business, so I can just claim that it's a business thing, and, <laughs> and it's fine. <laughs> I need four Broncos. <laughs> I, well, who doesn't? I actually need more than that. But uh, the other important thing to emphasize, too, though, is that if everything's looking groovy, this is all great. But then another important lesson is that if everything isn't looking groovy, be prepared to just walk away. Yeah. A lot of people... Again, they feel like rushed into it and they feel like they have to buy something. And so when they get to see the car and it's not all it's hyped up to be. Now, just because a car is not all it's hyped up to be on upon inspection, which usually it's not. Usually there's something to be disappointed in. And yes. that's not necessarily the always the fault of the seller. A lot of the time when you're excited about buying something, you tend to let your imagination sort of like reinforce some sort of positive attribute of it that well, he's you, not even trying to tell you. You get back, you get into some kind of weird positive feedback loop. Yeah, and then reality. Telling you. Yeah, and then reality, you see the car and it's not quite as good as you, which I, every time I see a car that's, and even with my best clients or with people that are as honest as the day is long, I, when I go to see a car, there's always something that you feel a little bit of disappointment over because it's either something you didn't ask about or they have a different different definition of what is good, what is bad, yeah. or you took their description and you overhyped in your head. I do it and I'm a professional at this, but like at the end of the day, the most important thing is that if it's so much, so far off of what you initially thought it was, you need to set up pre-guidelines for what is and is not acceptable. If a different price can't be negotiated, if the car truly isn't anywhere close to what it was initially represented as, but you'd still take it at a lower price, if that's not possible, then you just walk away. You just find another one. True. But absolutely. most people are like unwilling to do that. No, absolutely true. I couldn't agree with you more. And you and I both do this professionally. You do it for your dealership. I do it for the magazines. And after you've seen, I don't know, 500 or a thousand cars that you've gone through and had to evaluate boy aren't there just eight or nine things you immediately look for when you walk up to anything and besides we've already made all the mistakes (laughs) so maybe we can help some people not be as bad as we've been that is absolutely true absolutely true i think the thing when i'm uh doing auction cars now i walk up and almost always almost every car i look at I will immediately look at driver's side seat bolster wear. Mm-hmm. It's the very first thing I look at is where people drag getting in and out of the car, especially on low slung stuff. Uh, you know, Corvettes, Porsches, Mustangs, anything like that. That's the very first thing I look at. How bad did you drag your butt getting in and out of this car? Mm-hmm. And it's always the first place you see wear. So uh, little stuff like that. I think this is all stuff we could put in the curriculum. Yeah, and the curriculum. That the, sounds so official. Well, what else are you going to call it? Crap we're going to teach people? <laughs> <laughs> when you walk up on uh, like stage or in front of the audience or anything, we should play hot for teacher. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I love that idea. That's fantastic. That's your lead in. Yeah. You're just going to hear the big drums. All righty, coming up on Driven Radio, we're going to talk about some of the uh, interesting stuff we found on Craigslist this week. And uh, there's a couple of them I'd actually like to go take a look at. Vern, that thing you found. (laughs) Beautiful. It was so beautiful. (laughs) That is so interesting. I had to look that thing up after I saw it. It had wood paneling on it. That is is absolutely fantastic. Uh, We've got Vern's discovery and a couple of mine coming up next on Driven Radio. Welcome back to Driven Radio, coming to you from Driven Radio Studios in Overland Park, Kansas. So, Craigslist Car of the Week for Exit Lane Live. I found a couple. You found a few. I like a couple of the ones you found. I really do. I even, uh, I liked one of them until I saw how bent up the door was. Yeah. Uh, Tell me about that first thing you found. Well, the first thing I found was a 67 Buick Sport Wagon. I don't know. It's cool body style. I, it is. I, I kind of approach this as like, let's find a lot of car for the money. And like that car was overpriced. It was like in the upper 20s, which. No, 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 no. No, it wasn't. So. It was 17.9. I looked at it. Is it? It was. Well, even still, it's still overpriced. Well, it's, <laughs> I mean, it's a little it's, steep. It's still like, it, it's, it's still a wagon. It's a little steep. Yeah, 17.5 and but it's the, gold on gold. But the really cool thing was, is it had that Vista Cruiser window for the back seats. Well, and it's like a Buick GS. With a wagon back. Yeah, with a wagon back, which is just like a cool body style. Like I, I think wagons and old trucks like that, it's just if you buy them right, like that wagon should probably be like 12. Not as cool as a Nomad, but if you're a guy who wants to have a hot rod, but you got a mess of chitlins, you need a place to throw them and take them with you. Go to the car show. I take just the think wife, like you just never see them. Around. You just never see them. That's the no, problem. So it's just like you. Well, if that was sitting at a car show and there was an actual like Buick GS sitting next to it, I'd probably spend more time looking at the sport wagon. Well, and the reason you don't ever see those is because people who bought them bought them because they had a bunch of kids and a dog and crew mm-hmm. all around and all that stuff, and they drove the hell and out they've of never them been worth like restoring and taken care of. So like good good wagons and pickup trucks, I think, are always a good find. So. And, and again, it's one that's got some utility along with being kind oh, of sure. hot yeah. roddy. Um, I found one that you're not old enough to under, to remember the ads for these when they came out. Thank God. Uh, but Ricardo Montalban, the guy who was Mister Rourke on Fantasy Island, I just did commercials for Chrysler Cordobas with rich Corinthian leather, and. I found one. I couldn't even believe the thing exists. It's a 77 Cordoba with 31,000 miles on it. Can I say that my favorite part about a car of this era is that the exterior color is cadet blue. Yeah. And the interior color is it's also cadet. cadet blue. Yeah, it's one like, color. Jet. Generally, like you don't see that very often where a car, the interior and exterior color both have a specific name that happens to be the same. Usually it would be Cadet Blue over Blue, but this is Cadet Blue over Cadet Blue. And if you look at the pictures of the thing, it's got these big pillow top. I feel like I get sleepy just looking at those front seats. Oh, it looks like someplace you should take a nap, a, a sweaty fever dream nap. We should make an office like a, like an office chair out of one of those. 
cadet blue office chair from but a it was, Cordova. It's really, really clean. It's this giant two door the doors land barge. Yeah, doors look like they probably weigh about five hundred pounds a shot. Yeah, uh, but it still has the original wire style wheel covers on it. It's and the last remaining example that hasn't been used in a demolition derby yet. Oh man, this thing should have a disco ball hanging inside of it. It absolutely should. Four hundred cube V eight and a four barrel carb. Uh, and top of the line options: new tires, new battery. Only three owners, thirty-one thousand miles. And here's the kicker: under four thousand dollars. Now, wouldn't be a car that I would choose to drive. However, given what it is, and for thirty-nine fifty, man, that's a lot of car for thirty-nine fifty. And I bet you could actually buy it for half of that if you, <laughs> if you really, if you really uh, wanted well, it. Well, and that's the other thing. I saw this thing on Craigslist this time. Last year, I'm betting that as a motivated seller. Mm-hmm. My next pick was a 1962 King Midget, which I'd never even heard of, and that thing is I had never awesome. heard of it by name, but when I saw the photo, I recognized it from somewhere. I'd seen it like a oh, couple, I recognize like, it museums. too. It looks like something Shriners drive. Yeah, and so this is, I mean, so you win on the uh, cost per pound. For sure. <laughs> In fact, I, I'm dead last cost per pound because this thing couldn't weigh more than like, I don't know, 50 or 60 pounds for the whole car. A uh, little tiny, it, pathetic little thing. No, no, no. I looked it up after you sent me that because I was unfamiliar with the car and that doesn't happen too much. And apparently when they came out, they had advertised it as being 500 pounds for $500. Oh, that's unbelievable. And now it's $5,000. You win on dollar per pound. <laughs> However, I win on smiles per dollar. Oh, I also sure. I also win on Malaysia ugly. You're yeah, not... well, I win on just ugly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like mine ugly, mine out uglyed yours overall. It was a convertible, and it was a Woody. It had wood trim. Yeah, it's on got it. wood. Yeah, that. Okay, so the, are you trying to like say that I did in fact win the ugly fight, or I, I think you may have me on this. Yeah, I actually thought the Cordoba was. For what it was, was okay. Beautiful. I thought it was gorgeous. For what it was. But the King Mini, that that was just so weird. I love how that's one of my favorite sayings. It's okay for what it is. Like what you're really saying is it's okay for a piece of crap. (laughs) This is the nicest piece of crap I've seen in a long time. (laughs) What I was trying to say is it's a big bag of okay. Uh, But the King Mini was so... Strange and repugnant. It actually is appealing. It looks like a golf cart for five with grand. A body it just makes you it. almost want to just buy it. And it's just like imagine but, how much fun we could have in but that. But the engine bay shot on that is worth a million bucks. It's mm-hmm. a lawnmower engine. It literally <laughs> is exactly what you would find in the back of a golf cart. It's literally. I think that's no, actually I, the the engine's a modern golf cart engine because it has a. It's like a. It's like an, I used to. Well, I didn't look close enough. Did it life. have a pull start on it or is it electric? No, I don't see a pull start. It's okay, electric, might be electric. But like might be it's, electric. It, it's got an overhead valve, a gas golf cart engine in it, which is yeah. hilarious. So it's probably, what, 12 horsepower maybe? Oh, man, I almost feel like I need to make that guy an offer to I, see what he's willing him. to do Let, because that's him. hilarious. Let's call him. I'll that chip in a grand. I mean, oh, imagine how much fun that would be for a couple thousand dollars. Up to 30 miles an hour. I bet it'd be ball, a ball. Like a Shelby Mustang would have to go 400 miles an hour to be as fun per dollar as this. Remember the whole thing about slow car fast? Yeah, this is like not even really much of a car fast. That's, that's just slow car slow. <laughs> yeah. Alrighty, so I found... Now, 
this thing. This is like the one serious pick of the entire thing. Well, like this, we just named three is, really stupid cars. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this thing is super clean and super straight and probably really reliable. It is the most Magoo car I could find for under five grand anywhere. It's a 1989 Mercedes 300E with 88,000 miles on it, and the thing is absolutely mint. And this guy's got a laundry list of all the st- all the maintenance work he's done on it and everything he's replaced, and it looks brand new. It looks like a brand new 89 Mercedes 300E. It is also as vanilla as it could possibly be right down to the gloss white paint. It is just vanilla. And head white wipers. Oh, yeah. I it, love that. Well, it's, it is just as... German button down late 80s as you could possibly I remember as a little kid my grandma had what was pro- I don't know the exact model designation but it would have been like this era but it was a two door convertible yeah it was like the same car but a yeah, two door convertible it's a 300 CE and hers was red tan top tan interior like perfect like yeah. like the era it was perfect for the era and it had the wipers on the headlights and I remember thinking like this is like Star Wars. <laughs> this is the future. The headlights. The headlights have their own wipers. Uh, the big tan Mercedes Ion mm. Head, headlight wipers. I love that. Star Wars. It's so cool. Yeah. Well, back in the day, is, to a little kid in like 1996, like a six-year-old looking at that, you're just like, "This is the future." Well, your grandma's would have been a 300 CE or an E320 if it had been made the last two years of convertible production. It got I, keyed in the parking lot of Houston's. I like this car. I like this 89 300E. It it is just boring and magoo, but it would probably If that was like a dark blue, it'd be be really pretty. Mm -hmm. Well, you get it wrapped. But this would probably be a really great car for somebody's kid. Or if you had, you know, a commute that was hours and hours. These are comfy. They're reliable. It's it's a good car. It's just there's nothing exciting about it. It's even it. got a more modern, which I usually, I cringe when I see it in a lot of, like, high-end collector cars. But, like, in something like this, a modern head unit. Yeah. Like an auxiliary hookup and Bluetooth. Well, I mean, that really helps something I'm, like that I'm sure usable. at some point this will become collectible. It ain't there yet. Everything else is. Yeah. Now, <laughs> now, your third pick, which I kind of liked. The Mustang? Yeah. Until well, I picked the Mustang before I looked through the pictures all the way. I didn't realize it had these giant dents all along the side. <laughs> it, looked like, it looked like a decent deal until you saw that along the belt line of the car, it just got hammered. Yeah, it did look like that passenger door had had something really heavy fall on it. And I love the note in the ad said, uh, price adjusted for dented door. Yeah, like it, it looks like the guy backed a tractor into like three times. Does, like sitting in a barn. Does like that price adjustment height. include the repaint I'm going to have to do on this yeah, thing? Yeah, I just, I was sending that initially because I thought it was a good example of like how Mustangs can still be. You can have a lot of fun in a Mustang for not a lot well, of money if you can find one halfway reasonably priced. 68 Mustang convertible. Yeah, top goes light, down. Light yellow, black top. Uh, and was it a was it a three hundred two in an automatic I mean, or two eighty nine in an automatic? Yeah. It was a V eight. Well, anyway, it's just a convertible. I mean, and it was less than twenty grand. You know, it, it was a cutesy car. Yeah, I mean, it's just you can buy a you can still buy a lot of Mustang convertible for not a lot of money. I wish this so. one came with an extra door. So, yeah. anyway, uh, we'll have the links to all of these Craigslist ads on uh, www.drivenradioshow.com and also readthedriven.com. Thanks so much for spending time with Driven Radio. We love what we do, and we wouldn't be able to do it without the support of our audience. You can find us online at readthedriven.com, drivenradio.com. Follow us on Facebook at forward slash Driven Radio Show. 
on Twitter at Driven Radio Show, on Instagram at Driven Radio Show, and everywhere fine podcasts are heard. I am Brett Hatfield for Vernestus. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time here on Driven Radio.